And welcome to the Word Encounter, episode 55. Uh, we're going to continue in chapter 22 of 1 Samuel. If we recall, at the end of chapter 21, David was acting crazy before the king of Gath because he was afraid of the king of Gath. And so he was acting insane. And the king uh, essentially said, I've got enough crazy people. Get out of here. And so David leaves unharmed. And so in verse 1 of chapter 22, uh, David left Gath and took refuge uh, in a cave. When David's brothers and his father's whole family heard, they went down and joined him there. In addition, every man who was desperate, in debt, or discontented, discontented rallied around him, and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. So we see that David's whole family, including his brothers, remember, when David went to the front lines and his brothers were, were, were kind of hammering him about him being there, now they're following him. They recognize him as the leader. <clears throat> And so he's got about 400 fighting men with him. And so um, so then David uh, left the cave, and he went to Mizpah of Moab to drop off his father and mother and, I, I guess, other people who weren't fighting men. And then uh, they went on the lamb. They, they started going around to different places. And in verse 6, it says, Saul heard that David and his men had been discovered. And then what happens then is Saul starts lamenting with his men, you know, how come everybody seems to be against me and for David? How come people aren't telling me anything about where he is or anything like that? And so we drop down to verse 9, and it says, Then Doag the Edomite, who was in charge of Saul's servants, answered, I saw Jesse's son come to Ahimelech's son. I saw Jesse's son come to Ahimelech. Ahimelech inquired of the Lord for him and gave him provisions. He also gave him the sword of Goliath. Now remember, Ahimelech was the priest that David had gone to and, 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 and desired bread or food for his troops. And, uh, and he was the one that, that, that told David his men had been consecrated and they hadn't been with a woman, so they were eligible to eat, um, eat the bread of his presence, which was uh, uh, consecrated. And so Ahimelech gave him the bread. He also gave him Goliath's sword. <clears throat> and so, but remember, uh, um, David thought he saw somebody that he knew, and it turns out that he did. And so... Um, and so Doag tells uh, uh, Saul that, yes, I saw him, he gave him some bread, and he gave him a sword. And so, uh, so then Saul, he, he, he um, summons Ahimelech and his family. He says, come here, I need to talk to you. And so in verse 13, Saul asks him, uh, him being Ahimelech, why did you and Jesse's son conspire against me? And so Ahimelech is confused. And in verse 14, Ahimelech uh, replied to the king, who among all your servants is as faithful as David? He is the king's son-in-law. He is your son-in-law, Saul, captain of your bodyguard and honored in your house. Was today the first time I inquired of God for him? Of course not. Please don't let the king make an accusation against your servant or any of my father's family. For your servant didn't have any idea about any of this. I didn't know anything about this. Verse 16. But the king said... You will die, Ahimelech, you and your father's whole family. The king then ordered uh, the guards standing by him, turn and kill the priests of the Lord because they sided with David, for they knew he was fleeing, but they didn't tell me. But the king's servants uh, would not lift a hand to execute, to execute the priests of the Lord. So we see here that Saul really doesn't have a tight grip on his servants. You know, and, and I think, you know, through all of this, that they must have been observing some 
some flaws in Saul and maybe even recognizing that he maybe is not the legitimate king. It says in verse 18, so the king said to Doag, go and execute the priest. So Doag the Edomite went and executed the priest himself. On that day, he killed 85 men who wore the linen ephod. He also struck down Nob, the city of the priests, with the sword, both men and women, infants and nursing babies, oxen, donkeys, and sheep. And so he killed all the men that came with uh, uh, Ahimelech to Saul. Then he went to Nob and put the whole city to the sword. However, it says in verse 20, uh, one of the sons of Ahimelech escaped. His name was Abiathar, and he fled to David. Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, I knew Doag the Edomite was there that day, and that he was sure to report Saul. I myself am responsible for the lives of everyone in your father's family. So when uh, um, David had gone and gotten the food or gotten the bread and the sword from for Ahimelech, he knew he recognized Doag. But he wasn't sure, but he, in, the, in his subconscious, he knew that that was him. And so he was feeling guilty that uh, the whole town of Nob was put to the sword. So we move on to chapter 23, and it says, It was reported to David, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kayla and raiding the threshing floors. And so <clears throat> Kayla is a city in Judah. And so um, David inquires of the Lord, should I launch an attack against these Philistines? And the Lord says, launch an attack. And so they go to Kayla in order to fight their battle. <clears throat> and then we see that in verse 7, when it was reported to Saul that David had gone to Kayla, he said, God has handed him over to me, for he has trapped himself by entering a town with barred gates. And so David inquires of the Lord, should we go? He says, yes, go, go fight my battle. Saul sees this as the Lord delivering David to him. So two different perspectives from the same event. <clears throat> And so David gets word that Saul knows that he's in Kayla and Saul is coming and whatnot. And so David again inquires of the Lord. We see that David is always inquiring of the Lord. Saul didn't do this. David is always inquiring of the Lord before he acts. And so uh, in verse 12, uh, David asks, will the citizens of Kayla hand me over to the, will, will the citizens of Kayla hand me and my men over to Saul? They will, the Lord responded. So David and his men, numbering about 600, left Kayla at once and moved from place to place. And so the Lord is protecting him, watching over him, because David is inquiring. There's a lesson here. <laughs> anyway, so David inquires. He said, yes, the citizens will hand you over. So now David and his men start moving from place to place to evade Saul. And the word says that Saul searched for him every day, but God did not hand David over to him. So this was a daily thing. They would move. They kept moving around the land and the territory. Saul kept trying to find him, couldn't find him. So somehow Jonathan gets word of where he is. And in verse 16, it says, and so remember, Jonathan is Saul's son, uh, but Saul, uh, but, uh, but David and Jonathan are, uh, are great friends. And so in, chapter, in verse 16, it says, Then Saul's son Jonathan came to David in Horesh and encouraged him uh, in his faith in God. So he came along and was giving him encouragement. He knew he was on the lamb running away from his father, but he came to encourage him. In verse 17, it says, uh, David, uh, Jonathan said, Don't be afraid, for my father Saul will never lay a hand on you. You yourself will be king over Israel, and I'll be your second in command. Even my father Saul knows this to be true. So he's saying, even my dad knows that you're going to be king. 
you know, and I know that, that you're going to be king and I'm going to be your second. And so he's encouraging David with his prophetic word, basically. And so then, um, so he leaves and then Saul is still in pursuit of David. David is staying just ahead of Saul and whatnot. Then Saul gets word that uh, the Philistines are attacking one of our towns. So Saul breaks off pursuit and goes to fight for that town city or whatever, and then comes back and picks up his pursuit of David again. And then it says in chapter, 23, chapter 24 in verse 3, when Saul came to the sheep pens along the, along the road, a cave was there and he went to relieve himself. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. So Saul is going in this cave, but David and his men are inside this cave. Now, I think this is probably a pretty big cave. Okay. In verse 4, so his men said to him, look, this is the day the Lord told you about. I will hand over, I will hand your enemy over to you so you can do to him whatever you desire. Then David got up and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. In verse 5, afterward, David's conscience bothered him uh, because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Now, remember, David had this intimate, close relationship with God. They're communing all the time. And he knows that Saul was um, uh, the, uh, the Lord's anointed. And so he doesn't want to raise his hand against the Lord's anointed. And so this is really bothering him. And it says in verse 6, he said to his men, I swear before the Lord, I would never do such a thing to my Lord. In other words, uh, <clears throat> I swear before God, I would never do such a thing to my Lord, speaking about Saul. I would never do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against the Lord's anointed Saul, you know, because God anointed him is what he's saying. With these words, David persuaded his men, and he did not let them rise up against Saul. So Saul was still in the cave, and, and, and he's telling his guys, don't, don't bother him. Even though he's pursuing us, even though we're on the run, don't mess with him. And so Saul leaves uh, the cave and is headed back to his men. In verse 9, the word says, God said to Saul, or excuse me, David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of people who say, look, David intends to harm you? Verse 10, you can see with your own eyes that the Lord handed you over to me uh, today in the cave. Someone advised me to kill you, but I took pity on you and said, I won't lift my hand against the Lord since he's the Lord's anointed. Look, my father, look at the corner of your robe in my hand, for I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. I've got, look, I've got the corner of your robe right here. Look, see, look at your robe. See, this is cut off, but I didn't kill you. I could have, but I didn't. <clears throat> In verse 16, it says, when David finished saying these things to him, him being Saul, Saul replied, is that your voice, David, my son? Then Saul wept aloud and said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have done what is good to me, though I have done what is evil to you. May the Lord repay you uh, with good for what you've done uh, for me today. Now, Saul is an interesting character. I think Saul is kind of like most people because he has these moments of, of clarity and moments of devotion to the Lord and moments of recognition of the evil that he has done. And he appears to be sincerely remorseful about it. But then he has these other moments where he pays absolutely no attention to any of that and does only the things that are in his best interest. And so he's in and out, up and down. <clears throat> in verse 20, 
Now I know for certain, this is Saul talking, now I know for certain you will be king and the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. Therefore swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's, fa from my father's family. Verse 22, so David swore to Saul, uh, so David swore to Saul, then Saul went back home and David and his men went up to the stronghold. And so David swears to Saul, look, I'm not going to wipe you out. I'm not going to wipe out your, your, your legacy, your history or anything like that. And they essentially made a type of covenant agreement. We move on to chapter 25 and it says that um, Samuel died and all Israel assembled to mourn for him. Uh, David then went into the wilderness of Paran. So apparently all Israel assembled because Samuel died. They came to his funeral. Then David and his men, they went back on the run. <laughs> and so as they were, you know, on the lamb in verse three, it says um, they came across the land and they came across this guy who has some territory. And the man's name was Nabal and his wife's name was Abigail, was Abigail. The woman was intelligent and beautiful, but the man, uh, a, a Calebite, was harsh and evil in his dealings. And so uh, David says, well, send, uh, uh, you know, he tells some of his guys, go see Nabal and, you know, talk to him, ask him if we can get some food and whatnot, because we protected him when we've been on the land and he has, he has missed nothing. His crops have been great. Everything's been cool. We've, we protected his land and whatnot. And so they go and the servants tell Nabal this. And in verse 10, Nabal asked him, who is David? <laughs> who is Jesse's son? Many slaves these days are running away from their masters. Am I supposed to take my bread, my water, my meat that I butchered for my, uh, uh, for my shears and give them to these men? I don't know where they are from. And so Nabal is he's getting you know, kind of nasty about it. Well, who is David to come and ask this for me? I'm not going to give you any of my stuff. And so then, uh, uh, so Nabal's servants, they don't like this response because they're the ones that have been in the field. They're the ones that know what David's troops have done for them. So they go tell Abigail, his wife, look, your, your husband, you know, he, he's like, he's being foolish. He's going to get us all killed, essentially. And so in verse 18, after they tell Abigail, Abigail hurried, taking 200 loaves of bread and some jars of water, some raisins, and, and she gathered up all this food, you know, put it on, um, uh, sent some donkeys out and told her uh, servants, go, go, go take that, go take this to David. In verse 19, then she said to her male servants, go ahead of me. I will be right behind you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. So she didn't tell him that she had done this stuff, but she gathered all his food and put it on the crates and said, go, go give it to his men. I'll, I'll catch up with you. And so um, uh, she catches up with him and then she approaches uh, David and David was just saying to his men what he was going to do to Nabal and his whole household. And then uh, in verse 25, Abigail uh, um, uh, has um, approached David and she tells him, my Lord should pay no attention to this worthless fool Nabal, for he lives up to his name. His name means stupid and stupidity is all he knows. <laughs> so this is his wife talking about him. And so she's making an appeal to David. Don't pay him no attention. And she says in verse 27, let this gift your servant has brought you, has brought to my Lord, be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive your servant's offense, for the Lord is certain to make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because he fights the Lord's battles. And so again, she's making an appeal. Ignore my husband here. Here's this food. Give it to your servants and, don't, and do us no harm, okay, because my husband's a fool. <clears throat> 
And then she goes on and says, and when the Lord does good things for my Lord, may you remember me, your servant. And so again, now Abigail is kind of making a personal appeal. Don't forget about me. In verse 32, then David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you to me today. <clears throat> if you had not come quickly to meet me, Nabal would have had in, uh, wouldn't have had any males left uh, by morning light. In other words, I would have come and killed everybody <clears throat> before day broke. In verse 35, then David accepted what she had brought him and said, go home in peace. And then so Abigail goes back home. And then in verse 37, in the morning when Nabal uh, sobered up, his wife told him about the events. His heart died and he became a stone. Okay, so he was, I guess he kind of went into a coma, if you will. In verse 38, about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal dead. And so now Nabal is dead. And so David gets word that Nabal has died. Then David sent messengers to speak to Abigail about marrying him. <laughs> so <laughs> that was kind of quick. <laughs> and so he sends his messengers. And they tell her, uh, David sent us to bring you to him as a wife. In verse uh, 41, she stood up, paid homage with her face to the ground. And she said, here I am, your servant, a slave to wash the feet of my Lord's servants. So she became his wife. And in verse 43, uh, David also married Ahinoam. And uh, the two of them became his wives. Now, remember, David was already married to Mahal. But now he's got two other wives. But in verse 44, it says, But Saul gave his daughter Mahal, David's wife, to Palti, who was from Galem. And so I don't, I don't know how this came about. I don't know, you know, how maybe Saul found out that David married two other women I, and he gave his daughter away to some. I don't know. But I don't think Saul had the right to do that. I don't know. Anyway. We'll pick this up in um, episode 56 tomorrow. Bye now.